I'll move that ladder in case you hadn't figured that out yet. And welcome <laughs> to our church. <laughs> so great. So I wanted to just kind of go through a little top 10. How many of you know my husband loves top 10 lists? Mm-hmm. So I got me one too. And this is facts every woman should know. Everyone has roles when they bend over. Okay, keep up, people. Keep up. When someone tells you that you're beautiful, believe them. They aren't lying. Sometimes we all wake up with breath that could kill a goat. For every woman unhappy with her stretch marks is another woman wishing she had some. I have plenty to share if anybody wants some. You should definitely have more confidence, and if you saw yourself the way others see you, you would. It's okay to not love every part of your body, but you should. I don't know about these thighs that kind of (laughs) go... None of you all have that, right? We all have that one friend who seems to have it all together. That woman with the seemingly perfect life. Well, you might be that woman someone else thinks that about you. That you have it all perfect. But we already know today, none of us have all that together. But the spirit of the Lord continues to move in our lives. Okay, I'm getting serious. This is supposed to be funny. Okay, back to the list. You should be a priority, not an option, a last resort, or a backup plan. You should be cherished and loved unconditionally. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Don't look for a man to save you. There is only one man who can save you. His name is Jesus Christ. And he will help you to save yourself. Yeah, clap that out. Number 10. Drum roll. You're a woman. That alone makes you pretty remarkable. Clap yourselves out. That's awesome. So it's kind of hard to come up here after. Oh, wait. I just read this list about feeling confident. You know where I was going to go with that? Where was I going, Susan? I'm telling you. Yeah, but I'm confident. I'm all that. Ooh, baby, push it. No, don't even. No. I can't move not alone. So, yeah. This is my story, a few of my chapters. And I'm going to share some areas that some of you already know about and some that some of you may not. Some of you know that I'm already from a country named, well, it was named Rhodesia. And that's me at about four years old with my dad. The highest point of our city, it was called the Copy. You go up there to make out or um, (laughs) and never tell. I was too young to do that at that age. So anyway, um, what'd you say? I missed that one. And so 
my dad is holding me. Our whole family was actually up there at that time. That's my city in the background. I'm from Africa, and so people think, Africa, what? There's cities? Yes, that's one right there. <laughs> and uh, I, I was raised in a British colony. That's the accent. had a British education, and um, I, had a, I had a fairly good childhood. My parents, neither of them were Christians. Actually, I come from a Jewish heritage. And I was the first one to give my life to the Lord when I was 14. That's me in kindergarten. Oh, so bright-eyed and wondering what life would hold. And actually, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking about, I can't wait to go home and take a nap. And then watch Batman on TV because he was my boyfriend. <laughs> so that's what, that's what those eyes are. <laughs> Yeah, that um, school uniform, five years old, not knowing what life would hold. My dad didn't know. My mom didn't know what life would hold. And I was just like any other kid. Went to school. And that's my ugliest picture ever. I'm super vain, so everybody knows me when I take photographs. Pilgrim right there. Let's actually give him a hand right now. Put your hand up there right there. Thank you. Sorry? You have one that's worse? Okay, we'll talk later. But, but this, okay, so I'm in fifth grade right there, and I'm in the, the play Oliver Twist. And I'm Mr. Bumble's squeeze at the time, and I become his wife in that. And I see that picture, and I just want to cringe. I'm like, really, that? That's just so sad. But, you know, I uh, went through that awkward stage and grew up. And that was just me as a teenager. Yeah, you know, I, I was, mm, okay. <laughs> I look back now and I think I actually was kind of cute <laughs> but when you're living at that moment you don't think that you think um, like everybody else this is wrong that's wrong hair color you know why are all my friends blonde and blue eyes they get all the guys what's up you know <sighs> so I grew up and I gave my life to the Lord when I was 14 years old first one in my and my family to become a Christian, and my parents thought it was just a phase, just like piano lessons or learning how to ride a horse. And, well, no, it wasn't a phase. I'm pastor's wife and youth pastor today. Thank you, Jesus. But there was a lot to go through before I came to this place. During this time of growing up, I met this really cute guy. Okay, everybody take a moment, soak that in. And let me remind you, he's mine. <laughs> so yeah, that hottie uh, is Alan Ladder. I used to say he looked like Donny Osmond slash um, Patrick Duffy from Dallas. And for the young ones who've not seen that, I'm sorry. But so yeah, what's not to love of all that? Mm. So within, I met him on the 21st of January uh, 1977 and we found out we lived near each other and we became very fast friends and um, we married we dated for a year and then um, something happened this is a day in December of that year I just turned 19 and I'm signing a marriage certificate to, with the love of my life. But I'll backtrack just a little bit. 
what do you get when you have a hot-blooded American guy look like that and then a hot-blooded Rhodesian girl who look like me and with very little accountability and very little um, adult supervision, <laughs> you know? Sparks fly, things happen, and I end up expecting a baby. I was 19 years old, and I was freaking out. My uh, mom came to me one morning, and she said, you've been acting really strange. Are you pregnant? I'm like, I think I might be. And the same morning, my, my boyfriend's mom came to him, and she goes, you've been acting really strange. Is he that pregnant? And he's like, we, maybe. We, we're going to the doctor today. So our, both our mothers actually came with us to that doctor's appointment. Yeah. To find out if I was or if I wasn't, and I was. And I came home that evening. My mom was very gracious. His mom was very gracious. Came home that evening, told my father, and he was so angry. He was livid. And, you know, said a few choice words, of course, not a Christian, good guy, businessman. And he goes, we're going back to the doctor tomorrow. He goes, this cannot be happening. And so the same doctor that told me I was pregnant, we met with her the next day with my dad. And my dad's like, look, she's just turned 19. She's about to start her life. She's pregnant. She does not need to be going through this. Can she get an abortion? And the same doctor said, yes. But abortions were illegal in my country. And she said, we can have her a plane to London this evening. That was a Saturday. And um, she can have the abortion on Sunday. And we'll have her flown back to Africa by Tuesday. And Wednesday, she can go back to work. No one will ever know. But I would know. And my, husband, my dad said, OK, that's great. That's what we're going to do. And suddenly, my life is just like out of control. I'm like, what? This is not what I want. I went back to Alan. I told him what my father had said. And he goes, Yvette, we, we don't believe in abortion. We love the Lord. And, and we had already agreed to uh, be married at some point. I'm not going to go into that right now. But I had already told him, yes, I will marry you. And he had said, I don't know when that's going to be. But one day I'm going to marry you. I'm like, OK, well, that day came sooner than what we thought. <laughs> in fact. My, so Alan went to go see my father on the Sunday, and he said, I, Yvette told me what you wanted, and I'm sorry we can't do that. We love each other, and what we did was wrong, and I'm so sorry for doing this to your daughter. Yeah, Alan, you did that. <laughs> and now I heard earlier it takes two to tango, right? But um, he, he said, we're going to make it right. We want to get married, and we're going to have this baby, and we're going to love this baby. This baby would have come sooner or later. The baby's just coming sooner than later. Please, will you let me marry your daughter? And my dad said, okay, I'll let you marry my daughter. But you need to know one thing. If you ever hurt her, this world is not big enough for both of us. And I thought, okay, go dad. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Sunday. Then Monday, I'm at work at a little boutique called What's Happening? And... Um, Get this phone call. Boy, what was happening? It was crazy. I get this phone call. It's Alan. Hey, Vet. Hi, Alan. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you want to marry me? Yes, I want to marry you. Is noon too soon? Like, <laughs> like what? He goes, 
yeah, well, your dad, he knows the justice of the peace. And I'm thinking, yeah, my dad knows everybody, of course. And he's arranged for us to get married at noon today. Can, can you do that? I'm like, I, uh, um, okay, I guess. And at that moment, I felt like Cinderella. I'm working in this little design shop. And the other ladies working there said, all right, well, we've got to get you new clothes on. And you've got to get your hair done. We're going to get you some new white shoes to put on. And by noon... I was ready to go to the Justice of the Peace. And that's where that photograph took place on December the 19th. My parents were there, Alan's parents were there, my godparents were there. And that day changed the whole trajectory of my life. What would have been what I thought would be my life now suddenly changed. Because I was pregnant and we were gonna keep the baby, I would now be blackballed in my country and so, having spoken with Alan's parents, who did love me, and my parents, they, they said, we can send them to Texas. We have good friends there, and we'll let them start their lives there. And so my parents agreed, 19, and he was 20, 21 at that time. And so, two month, so a month later, we actually had another wedding in the church and I wore white, and those eyes, the same eyes of the five-year-old, were now looking with a smile on her face, but no one saw behind the smile. No one saw the anxiety, the fear, the pain. I was gonna have to leave my country and my home. Everything I knew and how dear to me, I was gonna have to lay down because of my own actions. Fortunately, I loved that really hot dude, so that, that worked out well. <laughs> but nobody knew behind the smile. Just like some of us, nobody knows what's going on behind the smile. And so I just said, God, you're going to have to work this out. This would be the last picture taken with my family. It's in my home, my mom and my father and my two older sisters. That would be the last family photograph we would ever take. And it was a beautiful wedding. Nobody knew I was pregnant except very close friends. And um, they all knew we were going to America. Oh, you're going to start a new life. Yeah, great. Woo! It was exciting because I did have an adventuresome spirit, but I still knew that there was things coming I had no control over. I did know one thing, and Alan and I both knew one thing that the little seed within my tummy that you couldn't see in that picture was already loved. The little seed in that picture was already going to be the most beautiful prized possession that we could ever have. And two months later, oh, this is us going into the um, reception. And we were very much in love. We still are. Actually, it's a deeper love now. 40 years later, this year, it's a deeper love. Thank you. He, in that picture, he's like, yeah, I got the girl. <laughs> and so this is our day when we're leaving Africa. My mom's in that picture, my godmother and some dear friends, Alan and I. Tudor Bismarck, Kendra, that's him right there. He, went, he carried on to take my father-in-law's um, church. I didn't mention that earlier, but Alan's parents were missionaries to uh, my country. And they went there to start a, 
a church. Alan went there to help them and found me. So a few months after we get to Houston and a few months later, jumping ahead, this cute little baby was born. Summer Joy, Lada at the time, is that Cupid doll right there. And the very man who wanted to have me have an abortion, that's my dad. My mom and dad came to America to, to meet their new grandbaby, and he had so much love in his heart for her. He was so glad she was born. And so we became a little family of free, so cute. And Summer Joy had a little frog purse. She used to carry that everywhere she went. How many of you did cropping stuff, cutting out pictures and putting them in those cool books back in the day? I was into that. And then about three and a half years later, Summer and, and her daddy started praying for a baby brother. They, they wanted another baby. And I was so scared to have a baby because I didn't know if I could love another child as much as I loved this child. Anyway, God worked on the <laughs> What'd she say? I can't. <laughs> Don't tell Zane, okay? <laughs> but hey, so this is what happened about three and a half years later. Ah, Zane Allen Ladder was born. And there's Allen, just so happy and proud to have a baby girl and now a baby boy. And, um, sorry, excuse me. Now we were a party of four. And I just want to note, you see the picture of us in the top there. And then Alan saw this picture. He helped me put this presentation together. I'm very thankful for. But he said, that's really a hokey picture. Why do you, why do you want to put that out there? I'm like, well, it's, it's part of my story. I, I don't care if it's hokey. But here's the bottom line. He goes, well, wait a second. They're not going to know what that is there with us in that book. So I'm going to tell you in case you not know. That's us in the Bible. Okay? We're good. Now you know. <laughs> but here's what's the main thing. Is before we got married, we asked the Lord to do something in our lives. To turn our message around. To change this mess that we'd created and give us a message. And we stood on this scripture. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And we raise our children to do that. And we still stand on that scripture. As for me and my house. And now this generation's church is our house. You are all a part of that. We all say we will serve the Lord and our families. This is summer. If I, I looked at this picture and I think, man... Life could have been so different if I had gone with my dad's decision to fly to London to have an abortion. I wouldn't have got to see this cute little girl start growing up. And maybe we might have gotten married. We may not have. This child probably would have come along. But if I had decided not to marry Alan, this child would not be in the picture either. This is Zane. And this is before he's a year old, and he continually would climb up to the drums at church. How many of you have had kids and they just want to be on the platform playing an instrument? Or, And I took that picture of him at that time, not knowing I was actually kind of prophetic, and I'm thinking, I think he's going to be a drummer one day. 
And that's him right there, about 16 years old, playing that big drum set. And we realized that God had called him to be a worship leader and that music was going to be a big part of his life. And this was actually taken at a citywide uh, worship time in Granbury. They had a, a band called Fifth Man, and he was the drummer of that band. There's another picture of him when he's a baby playing the drums. I just want to say this in regards to seeing your children fulfilling their futures. It's very important that you pay attention to the things that they naturally gravitate towards because more than likely those are natural gifts that God has given them that he wants to use later on in their life. And a lot of times the enemy will try and rip that away from them. And so it's our job as parents to steward that and encourage that and say we feel like this is what you're going to be doing. And so I, uh, we put him in percussion when he was in seventh, eighth grade, and he started playing the drums here at church, him and Andy Duncan. Is Lori in here right now? Yeah, they were both the same age, and they're both drummers. And Zane got really cocky. He was really good at playing the drums, and he got put into um, percussion in high school. He didn't want to do what the director said. And he goes, I'm quitting band. I already know how to play the drums. They can't tell me what to do. Sound like a regular teenager? Yeah. I said, well, okay, if you're not going to play the drums, I mean, not going to be in band, you're going into the choir. What? I don't want to sing. I just want to play the drums. I'm like, dude, you've been singing since you were a baby, and you're going to sing. No, I don't want to sing. I'm like, you're going to be disciplined either in band or in choir. Take your pick. Okay, I'll try choir. He started singing in choir, and his voice kind of boomed above everybody else, as if you ever saw him in concert. And so we realized very soon that he definitely had a calling in that area. Next picture. We got to watch him grow up. That's his second grade picture. Super cute kid. He always had an entourage of people behind him. Next one. We got to watch Summer Joy grow up. She got to go on her first daddy-girl date, and she took many of those. And then there came the day where he got to give her away to the love of her life. But a lot would happen between that day at 8 and that day. A lot would happen. You heard a lot of her story earlier. They grew up together, brother and sister, precious, loved each other fiercely. They could mess with one another, but don't let anybody else. Oh, no. Some of you can probably relate to that with your siblings. We had the honor of watching them grow up. And every now and again, I would have this ping in my heart thinking she could have been a statistic. And I just want to encourage you today, if you've walked through something like that, there is no shame here. There's no condemnation here. I experienced anguish and fear in my life when I was walking through that, not knowing what the future held. So I understand if you landed up going through something like that, you need to know your baby is alive and well in heaven. You will get to meet that baby one day in the event that you've ever walked through that. And please know that, that there is freedom for you if you're still carrying that. Please know that God wants to release you from that so you can continue to fulfill your future. So this is in their teenage years. And actually during that time, I had a word for Summer 
that she didn't want to hear. We talked about it last night. She was about 16, and I said, Summer, let me tell you what I see. She goes, okay. I said, well, I see you getting married quite a bit later in life. What? Well, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you what I see. And, oh, and your, your brother's going to get married before you. What? Are you kidding me? I'm the oldest. I need to get married first. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen that way. What do you mean? I'm like, he's going to need a wife more than you're going to need a husband. Okay. She's like, what? I'm like, I see. We know that you have a, a call to missions on your life. By 12, we knew that she was called to the mission field. We knew that there was much travel ahead of her. We knew that there were a lot of things she had to do. And I said, Summer, I see you traveling the world. I see you accomplishing a lot before you get married. And the man you marry is going to be one who is prepared to go before paupers and kings. And that is the way we are raising you. You will also go before paupers and princes. You will be able to love no matter who it is, no matter what status of life. And God is preparing that kind of man for you. And when you meet him, he will already have been successful. He won't have anything to prove because he's already there. And the main thing, Summer, is that he will know how to treat a woman. So he's going to be a lot older than you. She did not like that. <laughs> so... Just to interject this, Summer Joy shared her story today, and she got engaged. You were, was it 23 or 24? You were 24. And we loved the guy, and we loved the family. They already loved us, and they loved Summer so much. They were, were already married to her. In The whole family was married to Summer. But in my heart, I'm thinking, that's not really what you showed me, God. Um, She's still got the world to travel. There's still things she's supposed to do before she gets married. And this gentleman was a few years older than her, but not old enough. <laughs> no, I didn't know that part. I just made that up. Um, just sounded good, you know. Let's embellish that prophetic word. <laughs> you know, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Anyway. So I just said, Lord, I'm just going to give this to you because I, I, I love him, but I don't think he's the one for summer. And then she walked through that season of brokenness and pain. And I was sad for her for the brokenness and pain, not knowing to the extent that she went through. I didn't know she wanted to end her life after the Easter production. I had no idea. But what I was rejoicing over was, thank you, Lord. You directed her in another way. And you directed that young man in another way. You spared both of them because you're so good. And you have a specific plan for each one of our lives. So fast forward. Zane got married before summer. <laughs> Isn't he hot? She's super cute too. Miss Jamie, her name was Jamie Briscoe Ladder now. We knew her when she was five years old had no idea that she would become his wife. So Summer Joy was at the time in Cyprus at a um, missionary-based Bible school. It was a Messianic Jewish Bible school. And she got called. Zane's getting married. She had to fly home for the wedding. And so, you know, I met her at the airport. I'm like, what I'll tell you. He's getting married first. I did not do that. I made that up too. I know, right? 
Sorry. Just, ah. That's something I need to write down on my little thing there, Kendra. Stop making things up. Die to that. So their wedding was wonderful, and several people in here were at that wedding. And that's my favorite picture of them, because Zane was a rock and roller, man. I mean, he was in a band, super cool. I always say he looked like Elvis and could move like Mick Jagger. And then Jamie, she got some moves too, you know? Okay, okay. And so uh, there was a great celebration at this wedding, Summer Joy celebrating and, and, you know, wondering probably, man, when's my time coming? Next picture. So this young girl had to honor the Lord. She continued, she would live for six months at a time at Dan and Becky Dean's home, where she met Kendra. And she would work at Baylor Medical in Grapevine. And then she would go back on the mission field for six months. She did that for three years, right? And then the Lord laid it on her heart that she should come back and go back to school and finish her education. And uh, Dan and Becky were just so gracious. They're like, just come and go as you please. Here's your room. Go back to Cyprus. Go travel the world. Go do what you want to do. And, and here's home. And we were just so thankful that she got to be in that season of time. So she did finish with her doctorate. And because I cannot say what she said earlier, I'm going to read it. Summer, right now, is a certified nurse midwife and holds a doctor of nursing practice degree from Baylor University. Did I do that right? Yeah. I did this last week at the Brazos pregnancy thing. And I'm like, yeah, she's a doctor. And uh, delivers babies every day. And she goes, Mom, you need to be very specific. People that see this are going to be like, wait a second. She's not bad. I'm like, well, she is to me in my world. Did I just make that up? <laughs> so we were so honored to be able to see this child. And again, when this happened, you better know, my heart was pricked. Because she could have not been here. And actually, before this happened, let me just tell you this. When she was in school, she was studying, not biology, what was it? She was in nursing school, and she had this little disc thing that tells you when you're pregnant and when you're, you know, you'll ovulate and all that. She saw that, and she's like, hmm, something's not lining up with my birth date. And we had waited for a long time for her to come to us. We said, we're not going to tell her until she's rigged. So she comes and asks us. 15 came along. Nope. 16 came along. Nope. 17 came along. Man, when's this kid going to get it? <laughs> she finally came to me in her first or second year in college. And she goes, Mom, we ought to talk. Were you pregnant before you married Dad? Yes, darling, I was. I just want to know one thing. Was Dad my dad? <laughs> oh, my, yes, Summer. Your dad is your dad. And we loved you from the moment you were conceived. We love you even more now. Okay, that's good. I, I just wanted to know. And so she walked through a season of going through some things with that. I was just so relieved to be able to share with that because I would never shared the story like I'm sharing it with y'all. I'd never been able to do that. It was always a secret. 
It was always behind the smile, behind the eyes. So that day was such a freeing day for me. Thank you. Thank you, Summer, for finally figuring it out. <laughs> wow, next picture. So Summer Joy went to college and her, got her doctorate. Her, my, my husband found this wonderful place for her to live on West 7th, and there she met the love of her life, Paul Okimoto. Arr! And we say that if, um, that for the definition of being a gentleman, that if there was a dictionary with that word, that his name would be right next to that. He is such a gentleman and we love him and are so appreciative that he loves the treasure of our lives. We got to see her get married. Now let me just tell you, she was mentioned in the wedding she had, she waited a long time Paul is 11 years older than her. Backtrack to when she was 16 and I gave her that word. Okay. Y'all didn't get it. Remember I told her you're going to marry a man a whole lot older? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, this is real. This is not made up. Good one, Amber. Good one. So this wedding was so fabulous, and it's not something that we could have ever afforded to bless her with. But this man, who'd been prepared for her, rented out the whole Modern Arts Museum to have their wedding. We were amazed and just so thankful. And he made us look real good. But really what's significant about that place is she went on a daddy-girl date with her, with her father uh, a little while before she met Paul. And she was at the Modern Arts Museum, and there was this beautiful piece of art that had this big question mark on it. And they, they actually took pictures of it that day. And she's standing at that question mark going, hmm, where is my husband? And then when they got married, this is in the Modern Arts Museum, they went and took some pictures, and they went and sat in front of that picture with the question mark. There's your answer, Summer. Such a beautiful thing. And so I'm sure she had shared that with him, and maybe that's why I thought, well, okay, that's where we're having the reception. I, I, I'm not sure how that really happened, but I'm glad it did. So we got to see her get married. We got to see her come, that's the modern arts, we got to see her come out after having waited for so long. She was 33. Ladies, I want to encourage you, for those of you who are still waiting or wondering where is your husband, God has the exact person for you. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and trust who he has for you. God knows better who will match with you than we, than we could ever think ourselves. So we got to celebrate that night of her reunion, of her union with Paul. And notice the, uh, the backup, notice the tuxedo. That's what he was wearing on the first date. Cool, huh? Next picture. So then we got to see her get married. We got to see her have her two beautiful children, Preston and, and Bella. And that was last year, 4th of July, here in Granbury. 
And then this is the passion of Summer's heart. What I didn't tell you earlier is after I shared with her how my father actually wanted to abort, have me abort her, she became so passionate about saving children's lives. She volunteered at a pregnancy center. I think the one where you got your ultrasound. Real choices. She told me that this morning. She goes, Mom, that's where I was doing um, an internship. And, yeah. and so she became a voice for the unborn. And then she got her doctorate in midwifery. And so on a daily basis, when she works, she's delivering babies. That's a water birth. And that's the passion of her heart. So the very thing that the enemy tried to rob us of is what she became a voice for the unborn, and now she delivers babies. Thank you, Jesus. So that picture is very raw, like she was talking about earlier. It's primal. And when my husband and I were planning this um, talk, he said, you are not putting that picture in there. I'm like, oh, yes, I am. It is raw, it is vital, and it's the passion of her heart. It's birthing babies. It's bringing dignity to a woman having a baby. It's, it's being that voice for that child. And you need to know something. You see how her hands are on that baby? Her hands are the first hands that catches a baby. And when she catches those babies, she's speaking blessing over them. She's praying over them. She's praying over the family. She is blessing those babies. Her hands are the first hands. What was it that you said earlier this morning? That your heart can, your heart has a connection to your hands. Everybody just extend your hands right now, please. I'm just going to pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for the extension of our hearts, Father, that come through our hands. I thank you, Lord, that each one of us have a calling to use our hands in some way, Father. I thank you, Father, that today, along with every other day, Father, we commit our hands to you. And we pray that our hands would be used to fulfill your plan in our lives, that our hands would be used to extend your love and your grace, Father. Wherever we go, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. This is my son. He fulfilled his calling too. This was two weekends ago.
Why do I share this? Because God has a specific plan for our lives. And even when we said, God, please turn our mess into a message. As for me and my house, we will, we will stand on the Lord. As for me and my house, we will live for the Lord. The story could have been so different if I took that plane ride. We just chose God's way, and he's brought beauty out of that, out of my brokenness. He's brought beauty. This is our family today. Same with Jamie, sweet little Brenlin she's holding, and then Summer and Paul with Preston and Bella. Just a little note about them. When Bella looks at you, She'll either give you the look that, oh, I want to hug you, or I don't need you. <laughs> it's on her terms. She is fierce, man. She, but when she wants to be loving and cuddly, she'll just come and hug it on you. Preston's like a little, little, uh, little puppy. He's full of love and always ready to give those hugs and kisses. And little Brennan, she's precious. We, we say that she was, came out of the womb smiling. She really did. We got pictures of it. I'm not making that up. <laughs> and when she started, would cry, she would have a smile on her face like, I, I don't know, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm crying, but I'm trying not to. Still smiling. <laughs> She's so precious. So we're so blessed to have our family. And then most recently, we had another addition. And this is Jamie giving birth to Albrea Grace, which was August 16th of this year. We're just so thankful for our family. And I think about how life could have been had I chosen another way. I think about how life could have been not being able to pass on a legacy, not being able to pass on a family name, not being able to see our children walk in their destiny, and fulfill the callings on their life. Summer Joy was called to dance as a baby. And at three years old, I said to Alan, Summer Joy has dancing feet. How many of you saw her dancing feet today? You need to know that it's been a long time since she's danced like that. Did you say years, Summer? But yet part of her calling is to dance and express the glory of God. Perhaps there's others of you in here who are also called to dance. Oh, I can't do that. What will people think? Oh, no. They're going to think I'm showing off. No, you are dancing for the audience of one. You're giving honor to the Lord for the beauty that he's put in your life. I want to say that life could have been so different, but we chose to give Summer Joy life. We chose to give her life so that she could dance through the ups and downs, through the pain and the sadness. And that picture right there, she's on a mission trip in Israel, and she is dancing above the Sea of Galilee. That is my favorite picture of her. We gave her freedom to live and dance, and we celebrate life today. One more thing right now. 
pretty, right? Put that picture back up again, please. I am all about butterflies right now. And the reason why I'm about butterflies is because of what they represent. They're fragile, but they're tenacious. Their wings can be crushed quite easily, just like ours have been crushed through the cares of life, through the things that we've walked through. And yet, they are resilient, yet they will fly huge distances to get to the area they need to go to. And they start out as a little old caterpillar. They have to go through that cocoon process, go through the metamorphosis of life in order to become this. Today, Summer Joy danced her metamorphic process is complete. On this earth, we still always will continue to grow. But each one of you are just like this. I'm like this. That's why it means so much to me. I got this recently in Africa when we went back to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. I'm like, I have to have that butterfly. Alan's like, one more thing in the house, Yvette. And this is what he always says, what are you going to give away? <laughs> and I'm thinking, nothing. No. We have, we've given a bunch of stuff away. But I had to have this for my home because it represents me. It represents the brokenness that I had in my life and how life could have been so different. And I've chosen to allow the Lord to bring life into me, to breathe into me and give me wings to fly. I had no idea one day I would be a pastor's wife. I had no idea, looking through the eyes of that five-year-old back then, I had no idea that I would be speaking in front of a group of women today, trying to encourage you to pursue all that God has for you, to dance through life, to allow God to unfurl your wings, to fulfill the call and destiny on your life. I had no idea, but God did. I just want to say thank you for letting me share my story.